0: In this uh, episode, I've got two uh, folks with me today, uh, James Reddish and Mike Powell, both from Trex. I love these guys and just honored that they're with us today. So just to start off, just a little bit, tell your story, and you might just start off by what does Trex do and what what does that company do?
1: Sure. So uh, so James Reddish, originally from uh, East Coast area, Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, My career actually has been almost exclusively in economic and workforce development. Um, And I was most recently working here in Little Rock at the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Had a chance to answer an RFP for Project Treehouse, which was at that time a confidential project that 18 months later would become Trex. Um, And was really thrilled and honored to have the opportunity to join the Trex team about nine months ago Um, initially to sort of lead up all workforce and community engagement here in Little Rock as we build our new plant I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later but um, but now actually extending some of that into more of a corporate affairs role Um, company-wide to have a chance to work with the team in all of our locations as well as focused on building out our plant here in Little Rock so we are a composite decking company Um, we invented the industry 30 years ago and are still the market leader in composite decking. We've we've since extended into railing and lots of other sort of outdoor living essentials. We can talk more about this very fast growth company. And so I had an opportunity to the company was looking for its next location to diversify geographically across the country to add some capacity. And uh, Little Rock won. It was uh, it was a race of four communities ultimately at the end and uh, and the company chose to, to land here. So a little bit about me, a little bit about Trex. Okay, thanks, Mike.
2: Uh, Mike Powell, Senior Maintenance Manager of Trex. Uh, started at Trex at 18 years old. So I've been with Trex my whole entire career. <laughs> um, uh, started as an entry-level process technician um, and moved up through the through the file after that. Uh, was in leadership for several years in operations, moved into maintenance, leadership and maintenance, and then short stint, about a year and a half as an engineering manager, um, and then moved back into maintenance. Uh, I think that's kind of my home. Um, I love the maintenance field and what we're doing, so try to stay there uh, as long as I can and and build a great team there. Uh, James did mention, you know, largest composite decking company. We're also one of the largest recyclers of polyethylene plastic. Um, And cabinet woods, hardwoods. So um, I think that's a great selling point Uh, as treks come down to Little Rock. You know, what other outlets and avenues can we drive within the community to try to save and recycle more materials?
0: Awesome. So obviously I have an affinity for this company and these guys because having moved here a long time ago to start a plan up in Little Rock and that's kind of how I met the Trex folks. It was, as James said, it was kind of secret at first. So, uh, a lot of times, those of you that don't know, you know, communities will have meetings where a company like Trex is investigating whether they want to come into a community like that and the Chamber, I'm always honored if the Chamber asks me to do that. So it's, there was a meeting that was set up. I didn't know that it was Trex people. I didn't, all I knew were their first names. And the, the Trex folks get to ask people in the community what's it like to do business in Little Rock and workforce and all that stuff. And that's where I first got introduced to Trex, even though I didn't know that it was Trex at the time. Later, then we did, and when Trex made their announcement they were coming to Little Rock, that's how I got connected with them. And so just from our side, we've done some training of leaders in Winchester, Virginia, which is their headquarters, and in Fernley, Nevada, which is their other facility on the West Coast. So that's where we've kind of interacted so so Trex, incredible growth, as you just said, James. So you really have had, I always say this, every organization has a culture, whether mm-hmm. they would like it <laughs> or not. There's one right. that exists. So yep. so Trex, I think, has had a good culture. It's been more informal. And now you're shifting over to making it formal at all three locations eventually when Little Rock comes on board. what? Tell me about that. How's that going? Why are you formalizing it? All of that.
1: Yeah, so I would say there's there's sort of two converging factors here. Um one was sort of the initial thought process, John, and that's that's really around Little Rock, right? It was this sort of notion that, um, you know, as I as I came on board, they said, "All right, we're we've got X date in the future when we're going to start. We've got Y number of people back into it, right?" And I said, "Okay, great. What are we looking for, right? I I know the technical part of it. That's that's pretty easy. Um, what are we trying to build here?" And it was it was a moment where. I got some blank stares, um, and so that's you get an imish, initial moment of sort of, oh, no, and then it was, okay, but this is the right moment, right? This there was, there was a realization that we didn't have an answer to that question, and we needed an answer to that question. We're not a small startup company anymore. Um, we're not a cute little entrepreneurial group anymore. Um, we're a big publicly traded company, and we're, we lead an industry, and um, this kind of formality um was sort of the next evolution in our work so it started very much as a all right let's reverse engineer what are we looking for in little rock what's the culture that we want and then there was a pretty quick realization that well this probably needs to permeate or in fact start in broad tracks so that as little rock comes online it's coming into an environment where that culture um exists and has been set so I, and, and Mike can speak much more to this, Trex has an amazing heritage from a culture standpoint, right, it, it was, uh, when you think about it, it was four founders um, who actually spun the technology out of ExxonMobil um, and sort of took their technology And uh, a recipe and bought an old vinyl record factory in Winchester, Virginia and set up shop and started making boards and as Mike has said, you know, our our products 95% recycled material. So I mean, literally spinning trash into gold, right? Um, And we still have employees who were part of that original group who actually flew down to Florida to learn the technology from the start. So very much a um, small Community in Virginia, Winchester, Virginia, about 100,000 people, and so of the community, homegrown, and that was Traxxas culture, right? We were the employer of choice. We were the only place people wanted to work. Um, the brand, you know, was was at its highest, and that really is the story of our first two and a half decades or three decades, and then the last three or four years, um, due to a number of economic conditions we have experienced such tremendous growth. I mean, the company's literally doubled mm-hmm. in, in the period of two years, that with that influx of people and volume and scale and ramping up um, and adding capacity and just sort of trying to keep up with demand, uh, you know, you're adding a lot of extra variables to the mm-hmm. equation, right? And so you start to water down that core and to your point, John, a new culture gets created, right, and it gets, gets sort of adjusted to the circumstances. And I think with this Little Rock project, as well as sort of where we are as a company in terms of our demand, there's a moment of reset, right? There's a, we can't go back to what we were, right? We're never going to be the cute little startup in Winchester anymore. Um, we don't love where we've sort of arrived organically. And so how do we then chart that third path, which is our our future path? That'll be what Little Rock's built towards, but it's also what Winchester and Fernley are working towards. So um, that's sort of the long arc of how we came to this focus on culture internally to Trex. Um, It is both in service of a new project in Little Rock. But then also the sort of 2.0 version of what Trex wants to be as we move forward. That's great.
0: And Mike, I've got a question for you in a second. But I think what I've seen with a lot of smaller companies that grow, the instant reaction to some structure or is we don't want to become corporate. We don't want to sure. be this big. You know, we're not Exxon. We're not we're yeah. not in Caterpillar. Yeah. So as soon as we start putting some more structure into this, we're going to lose that family feeling. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it really takes intentional effort to keep the family feeling but realize if you go now you have hundreds of employees instead of a hundred and not everybody knows each other that and you've got different locations how how is that culture going to manifest itself in daily practice when you do get bigger without it becoming stuffy corporate that kind of thing so so Mike you've been around 20 years obviously love the company have an affinity for the company to stay that long what have you seen in the last few years to the things that James is talking about? What are you seeing as positives as this culture becomes more formalized?
2: I, I think you're seeing more people being open to uh, this, these culture initiatives. Um, you know, James said it very well. The watered down piece. So when we were expanding so fast, um, that culture wasn't able to set with the newer, newer team members. Right. So. Um, now that we're trying to formalize it and, and you hear everybody talking the VIP way, the VIP way, the VIP way, everybody's starting to catch on to what's that mean, what is an I statement, what are we doing, what's our next steps, um, you're seeing people start to gravitate towards, hey, maybe a, a culture of accountability is the way we want to go. Um, I should just buy into this and start driving it with the rest of the team. Um, I think that's probably the, the really good thing about what we're doing now. Um, the watered-down uh, culture really started to slow us down, unfortunately, right? So it was not just, uh, hey, we need to do this for Little Rock, but if we don't start to move and gravitate towards this new culture, uh, culture what, does, what happens when we send people from Little Rock up to Winchester and to Nevada to train and learn, what did they? What did they what are the takeaways? That's good.
0: Right? What, when you said, give me an example of when you kind of talked about watered down, what were you seeing from a business perspective, let's say, or even just people's engagement, what were you seeing get negatively impacted?
2: Well, I think when you look at our metrics, right, we talk about rate yield uptime. time. Um, those start to on a decline a little bit because – People aren't as engaged. You you talked about the positive culture of Trex. The positive culture of Trex was always, you know, we're going to find a way to solve this problem. And and we're going to bulldoze through it. There's a brick wall. I don't care it's there. It's gone. Um, And we started to lose that. So our metrics started to decrease because that was being watered down and it was negatively affecting the business.
1: I mean, I, I would just, I would jump off of that and say we manufacture sort of in reverse right most companies take standard raw materials and they make differentiated products right Mm -hmm. we take completely dissimilar raw material literally trash and it the variability then requires a standard product on the end so you have to have Mm -hmm. that teamwork and that ability to troubleshoot and that knowledge of working together and sharing tribal knowledge and i would say in just some of the stuff that i saw mike lived this A lot of that, how people talk to each other, how people onboard each other, what your first day looks like—that's the kind of stuff that starts to slip. And listen, I'm sure there's lots of HR folks listening. Um, This is my first job in HR, but I'm I'm getting—I'm gaining an appreciation. (laughs) Like, there is no way to hire 100 people in a month and keep culture culture at a high level, right? So there's just there was the nature of the problem it's no one's fault it's just it's what we did to survive and it's how we got to where we got to and to a lot of people's credit there was already work going on when we started this work with you yes. John around what are the words right we we there was a there was an understanding we needed to be focused on culture we had done work around words and we had done work around value statements but it was that last missing part which to Mike's point was the accountability that I think was just sort of right place right time
0: yeah and um, for our listeners, what, what James is referencing is they did some internal work, they did use an, an outside company, still have done some of their work. So when, when we came in, and I was on the other side of this at Caterpillar, the last thing you want is some consultant or trainer coming in going, well, all that stuff you did was stupid. And, the, and we need to, you need to just yeah. get rid of all that and use our thing. So you know, my advice, whether people work with us or not, be careful about things like that because people think well we were talking about x for the last five years Not now you're mm-hmm. saying that was a waste of our time and money so with trex what what had been done there with another vendor we assimilated very That's easily right. into what we did and and i think that you know for however people are working on their culture whether it's totally internal or with outside vendors be careful because people are paying attention and they're thinking we talked about this or we said this now we're not saying this anymore and it can very confusing to people, and of course there's cynicism that we're we're talking about. We want a great culture, and we're talking about teamwork, and we yep. But frankly, we're not living it every day. So, and it, and again, when you throw growth, and I love that James said, you hire 100 people in a month. I mean, you're you're endangering the culture. I get why that has to happen yep. sometimes, but our whole mindset is. Stars want to work with stars, and are and as a reminder for us, stars are people that are behaving well and performing their job. They want to hang out with other stars, especially if it's fifty, sixty hours a week. So you got to be careful that you don't dilute that. And your best people are going well in a matter of a month. We brought in a bunch of people here that don't they don't care about tricks like we did. They're not behaving like we want them to. But you're thinking, but, but we we just need warm bodies in here to get stuff done. So. I love that in your company, you yes, there were some market conditions that said we got to get people in here right away, but you've also said we can't continue like that. Uh, on the flip side, Mike, what with the folks that you lead, or just as a supervisor, manager in general, what what's been hard during this time as the culture is trying to get formalized? Anything that has been a, a hurdle, or uh, people are, if there is cynicism or anything like that.
2: Yeah, I I think the the hardest part is is probably trying to get complete buy-in from your teams, right, all the way to the bottom. Um, You have a whole lot of people that have been there for a long time, and they understand the Trex culture, and they're typically the people that say, hey, we, we need to hold all these people accountable. Um, they're the first person to throw the accountability word out, right? Um, until you say, I'm going to hold you accountable as well. Um, <laughs> and then much. they're like, well, well hold, hold on. We wanted you to hold them accountable, but not us too. And this is We're level setting. We're going to hold everybody to the same expectation. And everybody's going to be held accountable for their roles and responsibilities. So I think that's probably been the largest uphill battle. Um, I think we're past it now. Um, but uh, it, it took a couple of months to get there and setting, mm-hmm. setting different expectations, over communicating uh, the desired path was, was really the way to get through that. Talk know? about
1: how you've embedded it in some of your meetings. Okay,
0: so, so let me jump in ahead. Just to, so those of you that have not been through our training, uh, we talk about nine expectations that came out of real life. Any, anybody that's been in the workplace for 10 years probably could have come up with our nine expectations, but they're things that we expect both leaders and hourly staff level people to do. And then for each of those nine, there's, you know, a set of I statements, five to ten statements that really show whether I'm an hourly person or a vice president, what does that look like in daily practice? And that I came up with those because it was not around when I became a leader at Caterpillar. I wanted kind of a checklist that said, am I living Mm -hmm. this out? But also gave it really becomes the basis for. What we call upward feedback. So now supervisors can get feedback from their direct reports. Are they do they see you living it out? So yeah. So in in those I statements, how is that playing out in your daily life?
2: Um, well, I'll, I'll back up one second. Yes. So uh, when I went through the workshop in August, could be some ounce of notes, right? So one of the first things I did when I came home from that is I had a biweekly managers meeting, and so was is this sufficient anymore? Um, and you talked about doing a touchpoint every morning with your team members, just brief, you know, 15, 20 minutes. So we went away from the biweekly meeting, and we went to a, a, a brief morning meeting. And so that cascades across, you know, three manufacturing sites, two in Winchester and one in Nevada with our Little Rock manager with us as well. So we started doing 8 o'clock meetings. And that was going good. It was creating uniformity. It was creating collaboration. Uh, Now they conduct that meeting even if I'm not there, if I'm traveling or whatever. They still have that meeting. So in the meeting, we would talk about, okay, what have you done uh, for the VIP way today? Or what have you done this week? And the team members would give examples. Uh, And then we took it a step further and said, okay, everybody pick an I statement. Pick one I statement you feel you're weak at. Uh, And you're going to target that statement in everything you do. Um, So, for example, mine was I empower people and I avoid micromanaging when possible. Um, Because sometimes I micromanage. (laughs) Um, So, my team has been very explicit in calling me out as soon as they see me micromanage. They stop me, what I'm doing, and they redirect me immediately. It's happened twice. Um, So... Just for me, that, that that's great immediate that. feedback, right? And we talk about our I statements, usually not on Mondays, but Tuesday through Friday, we'll talk about what we've done to either improve on our I statement or where we, where we kind of fell behind and we made a mistake. Um, and we're very open to each other about those mistakes so future growth can happen.
0: Yeah, and what I love about that is it's just being human and being real and saying we all have things we can get better at. And when you show some humbleness to go, you know, I, I need to watch that or back off, it's an incredible message to your employees to go, you know, maybe I, maybe I need to do some things better. But if leaders come across like, well, you all need to work on this and I'm mm-hmm. awesome. And it's funny because when, when I've shown the nine expectations, they're, they're the same basically for leaders or staff. But for some companies, I've shown the I statements. And if I show them to staff level people, they'll go, those are great, and you really do need to train our supervisors on that because they don't know how to do that stuff. They stink. You know? And then I'll be like, well, you guys all have this down perfectly? Well, you know, now it gets quieter. I've had CEO-level people say, those are awesome. Would you train our staff an hourly pay? I go, how about you guys? No, we got it. We got it now. And, and one thing I saw everywhere around the world that I went when I was faced with a facility that was struggling is that we all had to get better. And I think once you get to that point where we go, you know what, yes, we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses, and we just have to be able to be in a culture where we can call each other out in a respectful way, just that's no different than a marriage, that's no different than dealing with kids, and and so much of the VIP way to me is getting rid of awkwardness and not having elephants in the room that no one wants to talk about, and that doesn't mean there's not times you do need to come in and Mm -hmm. kind of be... Uh, more direct as a leader. And we don't, you know, micromanage is kind of overdoing it. But there might be a time where you need to tell one of your people, hey, I need you to do A, B, and C. And they don't go, you're micromanaging. They need to be able to go, okay, at that point that made sense. But for them to go, hey, I feel like maybe you can back off a little bit here. You talk about just reducing stress for people. Because so much of the stress, I think, is at work is I don't, I don't want to say anything. Yep. I don't want to piss this person off. Whatever, whatever it is. And now they're just that's on top of all the normal work stress of deadlines and all that. So I love that you're integrating that into your daily practice. So real quick, uh, for those of our listeners that are in Arkansas, when is Trex going to be opening up here?
1: So uh, construction is underway. We are, uh, we're over at the port um, and the building one, the first half of building one is under roof. We expect the second half of building one um, here later in the first quarter um, and are targeting 2025. Um, so it's it's crazy. It still feels like it's, you know, years away, and it is, but uh, but these things have a way, as you know, John, of, <laughs> yes. of sneaking up on you. So, again, what we're trying to do is, is back into it and really start to set the stage um, in the community, because, frankly, we don't have a brand here in the community as an employer. We don't really have a brand here, interestingly enough, uh, from a consumer brand standpoint. We're working on that, too. Um, but we want to make sure that as we as we start to get ready, um, there's an anticipation. People are eager. People are hungry. They they want to hear more about treks. Um, and we think just partially this culture, partially how we think about compensation, um, our recycling heritage, as as Mike referred to earlier. We think we've got something special from an employer standpoint. And we we hope that's going to resonate with people here, um, all up and down. Right. We're we're staffing up. Uh, hundreds of positions. Uh, Mike's got plenty of maintenance jobs he's looking to fill. We've got production jobs. We've got engineering jobs. We've got HR jobs. So from a from a community standpoint, um, now is really the time, in my opinion, that we work the hardest to try to make sure that we're ready for that grand opening. Um, but it, it's coming here. Um, we'll have deck boards coming off the line here in 2025.
0: Awesome. If somebody's listening and says, hey, I'd like to, I've got a, myself or my kid that I'd like to get hooked up to Trex when you're starting to to look for people where do they do that? Yeah.
1: So our Trex career page, um, um, is where you want to go. We've got specific call outs for all of our different locations, but then we've also got, um, a little rock specific page that'll be coming up online here, um, in the not too distant future. And we're working right now with the community on where and how can we engage, um, you know, where, where are opportunities for us to plug in, invest in the community. Um, we want to make sure that as an employer, um we're giving and pouring into our community in the same way that we that we expect the community to to give and pour into us so starting that now looking for opportunities and um, you know both mike and i are here locally we've got a team a small but mighty team of uh three or four of us who are here um as sort of the early vanguard we'll be adding additional positions here through the remainder of 23 and then certainly into 24. Um, but always uh, always Eager to meet with folks and happy to answer questions about trucks here locally.
2: Right, we're also working with local colleges to make sure that we That's set up right. a very strong training regimen to prepare people for when they walk in the door first yep. day at trucks. Wonderful.
1: Yeah, Pulaski Tech, for those that are familiar here locally, actually has flown up to Winchester uh, to spend yes. some time at our plant up there so they can reverse engineer the training that yep. we need down here. So we've had great support obviously from the community thus far, but um, we got a lot of work to do.
0: Yeah, and it. <clears throat> kind of warms my heart to hear these kind of stories because when i started the plan up here i remember calling corporate and saying i wanted to do all this stuff and their their first reaction was well you're not in production for Mm -hmm. a couple years why would you do all that and I said, because i want to get the culture right first i want to get people i want to have a training regiment already set up i want our values in place i want and it you know it clearly paid off and i think I always remind people there's no perfect companies, no company that I've ever worked with or a client of ours is perfect, and there's doesn't mean there's never any issues. Yeah. But I will say what I what I love about Trex is that they are obviously taking it seriously. They're taking again an informal culture and putting some things in place, so it's going to be formal, and you're going to walk into Friendly, Nevada, or Winchester, Virginia, or Little Rock, Arkansas, and it's going to feel the yeah. same. And that I think that's uh, reduces a lot of stress for people too. And those of you that are out there thinking, you know, it seems like too much work to do this, uh, it's not, it doesn't take uh, millions of dollars or, you know, months and months and months. It's just being clear about what expectations you have for your people. And human beings are so desperate nowadays to, to know that they can, can hang out at a place for 50 hours a week where people are real. And, and it's consistent, and yes, we're gonna have some issues, but we have a culture that gets us through those issues. So anyway, it's it's an honor for us to be associated with you guys. Thanks for taking time today to share your story. Again, those of you that are listening, if you want to know more about Trex, James gave you that information. But uh, look forward to them, you guys becoming part of the Little Rock community and, and just success in 2023 and beyond.
1: Absolutely, John. Thank you. And I would just, again, sort of echo your comments. Anyone who's thinking about this, there's no shortage of people writing about changing work dynamics and generational and work from home and command control versus all of it to me at the end of the day breaks down to sort of a base level of humanity. And for me, that's, that's what the VIP way is about. It's about sort of articulating and having something that, um, that allows for difference and change and unexpected to occur, um, with a strong culture behind it. So.
2: I think if, if you're working to try and change your culture in your workplace, the the thing you need to know is consistency. Yep. You have to be consistent. If you falter one, two days, and you know, that backslides you one week, two week, two months. So consistency is the key to, to changing any culture. Agreed.
0: Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or thoughts about today's episode or even ideas for a future episode, you can contact us through our website at johnharrisonvip.com or follow us on any of our social media platforms.